Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And it is Mackie and Judd. Mackie uh, taking a couple days off to go do some hiking or some outdoors thing. Um, So we are going to get to Action Movie Rewind in the next segment. It's The Expendables. Mackie participated in that because we already pre-recorded through the magic of podcasting. But let's start with this. It's Zolgad. It's Declan Goff producing and uh, stepping in for an elongated, and I look forward to this scoop, our guy Doogie. What's up, Dukes? Hello, Judd. Hello, Declan. Happy 4th, a happy Thursday. You do realize why Phil is on vacation, right? Uh, Fill me in, Mr. Scoop. It is today Mrs. Mackey's birthday. Oh, oh you know what? No, Whatever no. she wants, yes. he needs to cater to all her wants and needs. Why didn't you tell us that? You know what? I rely on Dawn to go on Facebook and give me birthdays. I have no idea... Full disclosure, don't really care. Like, a lot of people care. My friend's birthday, you didn't tell me. It's like, I don't really care. I don't care. When you get to a certain age, in fact, I was going back and forth with our mutual friend, John Carter, who works for the Boston Red Sox. Love Carter. It's also his birthday well, today. happy birthday to him. So, you know, we texted, but I also went to Facebook. I can't even recall if he's active at all on Facebook. It turns out he's not. Yeah, I'm not. Either. But if he was, I was going to send him a nice message. Yep. You know, find some sort of GIF, you know, yep. create some sort of, you know, elicit some laughter. But he's not on Facebook, but I went and I saw, because otherwise I wouldn't know that it's Mrs. Mackey's birthday, right? But I went to the right. list of, okay, who's celebrating a birthday today? And there I saw it. Well, that's very good. See, I I, I remember the first, my first birthday where I quit giving a damn. <laughs> it was 22. You know, 21, you could go out drinking, you're out that night. And I remember being so sort of uh, depressed slash despondent on my 22nd birthday because I'm like, what's the angle? That was me for 27 this last December. Okay. That was mine. Like what's 27th th- birthday, I was like, oh, I don't like this. This is dumb. It's like, what's the angle? I'm <laughs> well, just I mean, aging now. Do you need to be, is it 25 still to rent a car? I think so. You know, that's BS. So if you want to go was, take a trip with your buddies, full for whatever reason, you don't want to use I was Uber renting whatever a car. Else. I rented a car at the Enterprise down the street from my old apartment in SLP at like the age of 21. So I don't know what that 25 thing was. I don't know. Was. I they thought it was care. 25 or maybe it's certain companies it's 25, but you're right. After 21, like what is the incentive, right? Yes. I'm with you. Why yeah. am I aging? And the like, message threw me, me. I turned forty in in January. Now maturity yeah. wise, I'm I'm still twelve, right? Like you know, give me the finger paint. I give you a solid fifteen. 
somehow I'm a parent. You know, that's still <laughs> that amazes a lot of people. <laughs> but the miss is one to throw because that's a milestone number, right? And I'm just thinking, you know what? Great. If it's an excuse to gather, have some beers. Mm-hmm. That's fun. You know, yuck it up with some people. You know, maybe some people I haven't seen in a while. Pre- Fantastic. But I'm like, too. who cares, right? Yeah, that was pre-pandemic. Yes. Yeah, it turns out, really, because it's not like I'm in my partying prime. It's not like the missus and I are getting out on a regular basis. So, really, truthfully, going back to that Saturday in late January, that truthfully, outside of actually met my buddy Abe, who's the basketball coach at McAllister, mm-hmm. we went over to Yard House, your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Well, really, my neck of the woods, too. Over in the West End, we went out for beers a couple weeks ago, outdoor seating. I'm not real comfortable going inside anywhere right now. Me neither. But the outdoor seating, it's beautiful out. So that was the first time I had gone out for beers, truthfully, Judd, since that birthday party in late January. I don't blame you one bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, scoop-wise, time to explore the space. So you tell me, scoop-wise, because there actually now is stuff coming back online and there's things going on. Where would you like to start the session? Well, we can certainly start with the Vikings, although, really, I was told by people close to Dalvin Cook, people close to Anthony Harris, people close to Everson Griffin, people close to these rookies, because, yeah, I mean, the numbers are there, right? Like, when these rookies sign their contracts, it's not like there's a whole lot of negotiating that takes place. The numbers are pretty slotted. Right. But I'm still curious, when will these rookies sign? Like, the Packers signed their top two picks yesterday. So I'm just curious when the Vikings might have these rookies sign. And I was told nothing really will take place until after the 4th. Rick Spielman got out of town. He might be back in town, but he got out of town for like a week. It was a big family gathering. You know, not that he doesn't have a cell phone and, you know, not like he can't conduct business when when on a vacation. But the idea was he was on vacation. And, and really, I mean, you know, like with Anthony Harris, the deadline is July 15th. You know this from covering the Vikings, Judd. Oftentimes, Rob Brzezinski, the rest of the Vikings front office, they don't make their best offer right. until about two or three days beforehand. So really, I don't think anything really heats up on Harris until like July 10th, July 11th. On Dalvin Cook, you know, we talk about the start of training camp, July 28th. So I don't think anything will really heat up until, you know, maybe in his case, maybe a week or so beforehand on Everson Griffin. You know, there just there hasn't been any dialogue on on him coming back to the Vikings. Not to say you know it can't happen. We've talked about this going back months. Never say never. Yep. As long as he's available, but yep. I still think it's more likely he ends up in Seattle or somewhere else. Especially if Clowney doesn't end up back in Seattle. If Clowney ends up in Cleveland or somewhere else. So you know that's just something I've been exploring. And then on the rookies, until these guys can get in. Now some guys are in town. Like Ezra Cleveland was at Woodbury High School in the last week or two, working out with the offense. Pretty much the entire offense, minus Dalvin, was over at Woodbury High School for like three, four straight days in the last week or two. Including the quarterback? Including the quarterback, getting working. You know, so so a lot of these rookies are in town. Justin Jefferson is in town. Osborne, the rookie wide receiver from Miami, is in town. So they're in town, but it sounds like the Vikings won't be signing these guys until we get closer to training camp. Now, I'm seeing a growing list, and it's not huge, but it is, um, it's beginning to expand a little bit of players who aren't signed, who probably ordinarily like Clowney, would have gotten good contracts but have not yet. And I'm seeing a small list, I should say, of those guys saying there's a chance I'm just going to skip 2020. Do you think Griffin considers that? Because because the one thing I will, it's weird, uh, but we are starting to see day by day that the league pull back on, on things. In fact, the report that we saw, I think it was from our guy at Seifert at ESPN yesterday, was preseason now going down from four to two games and possibly zero. 
Um, but I wonder if the players who did not get paid, who are going to have to take sort of cut rate deals, but still have some football left, if they would consider just sort of passing on 2020 and trying to come back in what hopefully is a normal 2021. Well, I mean, some guys may not have a choice. I mean, some guys may just not ultimately. But if you're County, you could take like Cam Newton took nothing from the Patriots. It still amazes me that the Bears gave up a pretty good draft pick. I know. And we'll pay what Nick Foles eight million dollars. I know. I, Cam I Newton know. getting I, the minimum to the Patriots. By the way, if if I'm the rest of the league and I had a QB, like if I'm the Vikings, right, or heck, AFC team, I'm livid that nobody went out and signed this guy, and he takes a cut rate bargain uh, basement garage sale deal from the Patriots. Like, what's the rest of the league thinking? How do you not? Tell Cam, okay, well, we're not going to give you a great contract, but we'll give you a halfway decent. What the Patriots did was gave him uh, a contract that that you would expect a guy who had, you know, never been that good and had some potential to get. I mean, imagine if you're a relatively decent AFC team. Yes, that, that's what I'm saying. Just An from AFC a competitive team. nature, yes. just to prevent him. Yes. Because as long as he was out there, that possibility was always in existence, that he would ultimately end up with the Patriots, right? Yes. I don't think any of us thought, yes, Stidham's their guy. And who knows, maybe he ends up being their guy at some point, but that they wouldn't bring in somebody to create some level of competition. But, like, if you're the Chargers, why not? Well, I mean, Tyron you can go Taylor, up and down the list, Herbert, right? who might play eventually, mm-hmm. but he's not. He's he's just come in, and, and I think there's going to be struggles there. But, like, there's, I think we could identify no fewer than five teams well, well, sure. You could I mean, say, Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah. yeah, go up and down the list. I mean, makes you can sense. make a case for for a bunch of different teams. And I get it. Roethlisberger is there, but he's old. He's coming off an injury. They could use a decent backup, you know, depending on what you think of Rudolph. But, I, you know, you can make a case for a bunch of AFC teams. So, yeah, I'm with you. But I think we need to go case by case. Like on Griffin, I think being on the wrong side of 30. You're probably right. Yeah. You know, just knowing him enough, how competitive he is, now that he's in a good mental spot. I get the sense that that he wants to play. Why wouldn't the Vikings just bring him back on a one-year nothing deal if he'll take that? I don't know if he'll take that. But then he might be stuck. Maybe he will on July 27th. But as we sit here on July 2nd, I don't think he's at that point that he's willing to take that. Plus, I'm telling you, the Vikings need to engage. So can Him, his side on that. I mean, there's been just about zero traction on that going back to March. So... Back to the Harris contract. Uh, if he doesn't sign by July 15th, he can't get a multi-year deal until the end of 2020, correct? Accurate. So they can't go to him on July 22nd and be like, okay, let's tear up the franchise tag. So they're, so so that's one that if they're not proactive, they're stuck with that franchise tag until next March. Correct. Okay. And it's a healthy number. I mean, it's almost $11.5 million. You know, but... When you consider what he's looking for in a long-term deal, it's not like he's looking for significantly less than that, even with long-term security. Mm-hmm. You know, So then you go back to the discussion of how logical is it to be paying two safeties a ton of money. But there's been some back and forth. There has. So I, I think those talks will pick up in the coming week or so. Your thoughts on the rumor slash report that I think Field Yates threw out there and throwing out like five potential trades that we could see um, in the coming weeks. Desmond King II, who was a cornerback at Iowa, pretty damn good, had uh, first two years 
with the Chargers was very good. Fell off last year, but is going into the last year of his uh, first contract. It's dirt cheap. The Chargers signed Chris Harris from the Broncos, so King's spot is sort of gone there. And the Yates um, proposal was was to send Riley Reef and pay and for the Vikings to pay part of his salary to the Chargers for King. I like the idea, but Spielman right now, Dukes, he has twelve draft picks for next April. So instead of trading Reef, who who by the way. I know we don't love him, but I think if you trade him, you're taking a chance here. Can Cleveland come in and play? That's a tough position. Reef is not ideal, but he's not a train wreck, okay? Um, how about if Spielman went to the Chargers and said, I'll give you one of my fifth-round picks and one of my sixth-round picks for King? And and the great thing is the last year of King's contract is dirt cheap. So if he plays well, guess what? He's going to get paid by the Vikings or another team in 2021. And if he doesn't, if you're the Vikings, it's not really that great a loss. Before this month is over, I can see the Vikings adding some defensive back. Could it be him? Sure. I mean, there was actually some steam on his name tied to the Vikings pre-draft. Now, I haven't heard a whole lot in recent weeks outside of what Field Yates volunteered, which was more of, I don't want to say a pure opinion piece. I mean, I think yeah, you he wrote tell. that based on maybe something yeah. he had heard, but how far back did he hear that? But yeah, I mean, I think the Vikings would have some interesting King. Everything you just laid out makes complete sense. But on Reef, I'm with you. Oh, by the way, what about the idea of Reef potentially playing left guard? Yes. Right? And I, mean, I wouldn't trade him. Cleveland is eventually this team's starting left tackle. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. Right, but is he ready to be the starting left tackle come September without OTAs, without a mini camp? I'm not ready to go there. And they why, love him. Don't get right, me wrong. Right, they but, love him. But why take that? He chance? is going to be their starting left tackle. I just don't know if he's their starting left tackle on September twelfth. Why take that chance? Correct. Like it seems it it seems like if you transition this correctly, it could be fine. But if you don't, the thing on King that I think would um, intrigue the Vikings and the head coach especially is read the scouting report on when he's playing well, what he can do. He can blitz from the slot, which is absolutely a Zim thing. He loves that. He is very good against the run. It, sound, it sounds like King has the potential, if unlocked and playing well, to be probably a poor man's Antoine Winfield, because if you go back on him, he was sort of a hybrid slot slash linebacker, right? And King has those. King didn't play well in 2019, but he has those abilities. And so I got to imagine if you're Zim and you watch this kid on film, it's intriguing. And I also have to go back to, I can't can't believe that you want to open the season with Mike Hughes in the slot in the nickel and what, like Gladney and Holton Hill outside? That seems to be pressing your luck a lot. Now, if it's if it's uh, King in the slot, Hughes outside, and then it's like Gladney or, or Hill, it might not be com- completely ideal, but you're not rushing everybody. But if you are going into opening day with two players and, say, and crossing your fingers and being like, I hope to God it works, you are setting yourself up for a big fall, I think, potentially. And, oh, by the way, it's another all-in type year as of now, Zimmer and Spielman in the final years of their contracts. I will say, though, I'm positive there's 
been dialogue. I wouldn't even be shocked if if there's at least verbal agreements in place. I guess I will be surprised if come September yeah. we have zero news about Zimmer and Spielman, even if it's a token extension, do you, do you having get, some sort of extension in place. Do you get the opinion, Dukes, that, and, and I've heard this and I'm beginning to believe it's accurate, that at least in Mike's case, he doesn't mind this. And I don't know if there's if there was some type of fallout because I do believe that if they had lost to the Saints, that potential of Zim being traded to Dallas was out there. Like that that was not pie in the sky. That was I don't know that it's one thousand percent it would have happened, but it definitely was discussed. Um but I've heard and I'm beginning to believe this that at least in Mike's case, going into the last year of his contract doesn't bug him as much as I assumed it would four months ago. How old is Mike now though? Sixty I think he turned sixty three on June fifth. All right. So if he is a coaching free agent in February, mm-hmm. who's hiring him? I don't know about that, but Mike doesn't seem to me to be a calculated guy in that regard. I'm just saying I wonder if he is I wonder if he was a little bit PO'd by how things played out and he's just like, Okay. I think there's some accuracy I'll to do that. This. I don't that think there's some a, defiance there yes, that, that it's almost a like a middle finger, like yes. if you don't want to give me the extension, bleep you. He's not a politician. Like he's not. Mm-hmm. No, I think this is way more bleep you. Like I'll show you. I think there's something to be said about that. Because there's something weird here. Because in this league, you do not see competent teams, which the Vikings are, send their GM and coach into the last year, and basically it gets forgotten. That's why post pandemic it's been forgotten. Yeah, it has. Well, since the pandemic a lot's, started, a lot's been forgotten the last four months. But I'm just telling you, I would not be surprised if. If at some point, maybe it's even on the eve of training camp or that first day of training camp, presuming the training camp starts on time, because I don't think we have any idea what the next 26 days will truthfully look like. Yes. But then at some point, you know, whether it's July 27th, July 28th, sometime in August, maybe on the eve of the opener that weekend. I'm just telling you, I would not be shocked if if we have some news on that front. And I'm just telling you, I do think they add some defensive back. I mean, just everything you explained just now Mm -hmm. just makes... All the sense in the world. So, yeah, I do. I think they add some sort of defensive back on Desmond King. I mean, you know, just look at his measurables. I mean, that is a Mike Zimmer-type cornerback, mm-hmm. you know. And, heck, I'm I'm still surprised going back. Wasn't he the same year that they chose Ben Gideon instead of King, that King went? Declan, hate to put you to work, but yeah, might have was been. that the same draft that King was staring them in the face now, I don't remember the landscape of the roster, so maybe maybe defensive back 2017, wasn't, right? wasn't a need at that particular time, that Saturday afternoon, but Ben Gideon <laughs> was the pick. And I just remember, though, just you know, remembering him from, from Iowa, Gideon, and I've heard good things. Gideon was a fourth-round pick. He went 120 overall, and Desmond King went in the fifth round 151 overall. So there was about a 30-spot difference there, so... Gideon went fourth, King went fifth, but King was available at Gideon's spot. Then who did the Vikings take before Gideon? Before Gideon. That would be the 20. What I'm getting at is, yeah. like, did they take a defensive back earlier that draft? I guess I can't remember. And they took uh, Elfline also in the third round. So okay. Elfline was their pick before Gideon. And then, and then was Duke, that the Dalvin? Also, also uh, Doogie, Jaleel Johnson was the first pick off the board in the fourth round. So. Iowa kid, too. Yep. So... So they did not take a defensive back earlier that draft. No, they didn't say no. They went Dalvin. So I just remember. Yeah, yeah. I, bet, I mean, that's I bet why. Zim, I bet yeah, Zim said take Desmond King. Me. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I've heard good things too. I mean, Amani Hooker 
is a local kid. He's now a safety with the Titans. Yep. I've talked to Amani. I mean, I know he likes Desmond. I mean, you just brought up Jaleel Johnson. He had the cryptic tweet, what, four, five, six days ago? Yep. You know, DK with, what, the eyeball emojis? Yep. You know, so, I mean, some defensive back. Put it that way. I mean, I reached out. And he's represented by by the Rosenhouses, Jason and Andrew. I texted both. Neither got back to me. Texted some people with the Vikings. I'm, didn't shocked, get the Ro- I'm shocked that the Ro- Rosenhouse people didn't get back to you. Absolutely They'll get back shocked. to Florio. Oh, of course they will. Yeah. Uh, here's a thought I've had about sports in this town in the last few weeks, okay? I'm trying to think of, of um, teams and franchises in this town most impacted by the pandemic, Dukes. And the Wild, not really. Like, I mean, they were starting to get hot, but that's fine, right? The Wolves, no, for sure. In Just in, in the sense of if you could have played your year out, you know, would, would things have been good? The Twins, yes, for sure. But you know who might be the most? And I'm really curious if this team can play. Go for football. Go If you think about how good that program could be and like where it's tracking. And by the way, to be clear for the first, I'm 50 for the first time in my lifetime. Like we have not had Holt sort of, sort of had some of this, but not this. Um, And I am really, really beginning to think that among the sports that can't play college football might be the top one. Cause I just don't know how I, I think that the national football league and baseball are going to have problems. And those are pro sports, okay? So when we're talking about college football across the board, I don't know how you pull this off without having a ton of kids get infected. And if they do, I don't think you can keep playing. I don't think you but can think about either. I don't know if you're PJ, how exactly you, you, you police 18 to 22-year-olds telling them not to stop, you know, at restaurants, you know, for those of age. You know, Blarney's. Does Blarney still exist, Declan, in, in Dinky Town? Whatever, yes, whatever bar. College Club does. College and they were club. lined out and it, it became a cesspool. You know who's got yeah. some ownership in College Club? No. Wild defenseman Ryan Suter. Hilarious. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, this is the scoop segment, right? Yeah, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan's really? buddy. It's Ryan's buddy. But I hope he's not going yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, let's, yeah, let's hope he's not. <laughs> if he's going yeah. in, he's, he's not going to make the might, bubble. He might still be in Madison making his way back to town if... If training camp starts on time, although I'm not quite sure it's going to start on July 10th. Maybe it starts right. later in July. I'm not quite sure it starts middle of next week. But, yeah, on college football, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, just look at all the positive tests, mm-hmm. right? I was shocked. I saw Boston College this morning announced it tested 95 athletes. I hate the term student athletes. 95 athletes, one positive test, or maybe it was zero. I mean, it was it was minimal. Okay. But like the Gophers, 170 tests. Yep. Seven positive. Mm-hmm. I'm told no on the basketball side. Uh, none, at least. Uh, not every basketball player is back in town, but some are. So the guys that are back in town so did not test. Is this probably positive. mainly football, you think? That I don't know. Okay. Volleyball's on campus, soccer's on campus. Yep. Uh, some men's hockey players were tested. So I can't tell you definitively. It's, right. It's seven football players. Put, I, I I don't know that. But can, can but I'm with you, you put I don't fans know. in the stadium, no. which seems to me to be a no. And and then the other problem too is if you decide that you that it's not working at having uh, on campus classes, but you hold football players back. I don't think you can do that. That that makes there, there have to be on campus classes, right? right? Be, because because if you hold a football team back and, and the student body goes, 
That, to me, is immediate cause to walk down the street and say, I'm a professional athlete. Like, this, like you got to pay me. Well, and I wonder at that point, I mean, how many players raise their arms and just say, I'm out. And then, You've well, already I, said you're honoring my scholarship. I just, I, I don't need to play. Yep. I mean, that is a thick roster, right? I mean, that gopher football roster, including walk-ons, is like 100 players. Mm-hmm. They have some space over there, but I'm just not sure how you socially distance that many guys. And I get it. Maybe you practice in tiers and waves. It's what the Twins will be doing. It's not like all 60 players but the twins aren't are colliding. going to be in the field at the same time. They're not colliding. But yeah, it's not It's not a collision sport. I, I don't know how you pull it off. So yeah, when you think about just about the entire offense is back. Love Tyler Johnson, love Rodney Smith, love Shannon Brooks, but pretty much the entire offense is back. They will miss Tyler Johnson, but they have depth at that position, right? Yes. With Altman Bell, with Demetrius Douglas, with Rashad Bateman. Think about it. Rashad Bateman is a first-round pick yes. next April. You'd love to see him play a third season in the maroon and gold, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's even a little Tanner Morgan Heisman momentum, right? Or if he's on... You know, some top 10 list. Maybe he's not number one, you know, put the Ohio State quarterback up there and the Clemson quarterback. But, you know, if you're making a top 10 to top 15 list, Tanner Morgan is on that list. Mm-hmm. Like, can you remember? This one, yeah. You're 50 years old. Can this you ever my remember a time? This is my point. Where no. there's been a player with even just a, I'm not suggesting it's 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 great momentum, right? right. Th- this front runner for the Heisman Trophy. But just to hear, right? You look at some of these betting sites, just to see a gopher. On a preseason betting list with with legitimate odds to win the Heisman Trophy. To be clear, Doogie, I don't feel bad for them. I feel bad for you and me. Like I want to see this. <laughs> yeah. Like if the Twins are good, I'd like it's cool. I'd like to see them in Pasadena in my in my lifetime. And yeah, I mean this roster, they're good enough to win the Big Ten West. When, right. I mean I think it comes down to them and the Badgers again. When's the last time that this program had a guy like Bateman? I, I argue. I mean, right I think now, Max Williams entering his final year. I think right now first round steam, I think, but that's a different position. I would argue right now. I think Rashad Bateman is the best wide receiver in this state, and that includes the people in Egan. He's been working out with Adam Thielen, by the way. He does things better than a lot of pros do. I'm not ready to go there. I'm not ready to go over. Tyler Adam. Johnson, I think, was a very nice player. I but never, he's good. I, I, I think never would have going that. to have a long NFL career. I never would have said that. Bate- Make no mistake on that. I, I love Rashad Bateman. I'm just not ready to say that right now he's better than Adam Thielen. Bateman has made catches that Moss made. He's good. He's really good. But anyway, my I still point think is- the LSU receiver Jamar Chase over Bateman, but Bateman would be number two on my list because the Clemson kid Ross is out for the year. I think Bateman is that good. I think he will have a 10 to 15 year NFL career. I think he's got a chance to make multiple Pro Bowls. I'm not quite sure he has a weakness. So I, it's no knock on him. I just think yeah. the LSU kid is is off the charts. Bateman, I think he would have been the best receiver in this year's draft class, Jamar Chase. And I just think right now, yep. I think Adam Thielen has accomplished enough. We're right this second. Now ask me in a year or two. We're right no, this no, second. No, no, no. I'm not saying give me Adam over Rashad. I'm not saying uh, no. I'm no. He's a very nice player, and congratulations to to him. But I'm saying like if you're just talking about talent right now, I've seen Bateman do things that you don't see guys for the most part do. Stefan Diggs better than Bateman. Bateman, I'm telling you, that's fair. So okay, so you think about Bateman, Morgan, Ibrahim, the entire offensive lineback. Correct. The offense, I get it, has a new play caller. Yeah, but I think I think you know it's they'll PJ's miss Shiraka, but it's, it's PJ's offense. It's exactly it's PJ's offense. 
And they're not changing a whole lot. They're not reinventing the wheel when it comes to that offense. Trust me, a lot of the calls, a lot of the terminology, a lot of the specific plays will mirror what they did last year. So, yes, if they can't play a full season, Mm -hmm. yes, that would be incredibly unfortunate. Twin scoopages. What do you got for me on the Twins? Well, I mean, who, who, I was, start, who start workouts on Friday Target Field, if yeah, I'm not mistaken? Yeah, 2 o'clock on, on Friday. They'll stagger. They're using just about every square foot of Target Field. I mean, they've set up some things in, in concourses. They're using both clubhouses. I mean, trust me, they, they are doing everything imaginable to, to create that distance that's, that's necessary. You know, but that's another one. I just don't know when you're not in a bubble – Mm-hmm. And I'd even argue the NBA and the MLS and the WNBA. Is it a true bubble when, when employees can come and go? But it's as close to a bubble environment, I think, as you can create. But with Major League Baseball, hopping on charter planes, different hotels, some of the younger guys, can you really tell them, yeah, you know, don't go out for that post-game beer, that post-game glass of wine, that post-game meal sitting in a restaurant? I just don't know how you do that. Heck, I was I was talking to Tyler Duffy the other day. He said, you know, the plan is, you know, he hopes to be living with Taylor Rogers. So then you've got two under the same roof. Yep. You know, so what if Taylor goes out and then comes home? And I don't know. There's a lot of moving pieces there. But yeah, I mean, they're just a lot of guys are awaiting the the test results. Like I was texting with Randy Dobnek this morning. He hasn't heard yet. I mean, he plans on he feels fine, but I guess he could be asymptomatic. Yep. You know, but he hasn't heard yet what, what the test results are. You know, guy like Byron Buxton, his wife was to be induced today down in uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So he's not even here in town. You know, so I don't think Buxton will be on the field tomorrow because by the time he gets up here, maybe he flies up tomorrow morning. You know, I don't blame him. He wanted to be there for the birth of, of his second child. You know, so he's still down in Georgia. So he'll need to come up, get tested. It's, what, 24 to 48 hours until they find out the results. So... You know, a guy like Buxton, you know, I don't expect to see him, you know, unless he gets up here or maybe there was a way to test him down there. I don't know, but I would still imagine even if he takes a private jet up here. Yeah, you got to test him again. You still have to test him again, yep. you know, but yeah, I mean, they're ready to to start this thing tomorrow. Will they be able to finish it? That's, so it's going to be in groups. That's an entirely different question. Yeah. It, they're yeah. going to send them out in yeah, to practice in groups. Yeah, they'll stagger. And then the, the are we calling it the taxi squad? But. I'm confused because, like, during the regular season, you have a designated, like, three-player taxi squad. The prospects, Royce Lewis, Trevor Larnick, Alex Kirilov, the guys that are not on the 40-man roster, those guys will eventually start working out at CHS Field. They're still uh, figuring out some logistics, but it's not like the Twins have an alternative. But my understanding is that won't start until next week. Like, you'll have, you know, guys on the the presumed 26-man roster. Mm Mm-hmm. Out at Target Field Friday afternoon, Saturday morning starting at 11.15. But some of these other guys won't start working out until next week at CHS Field. Are guys excited about this? Like, Depends who you talk of, to. What's your sense of the players that you've been um, texting and conferring with? Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, Nick Anderson is is pretty jacked up. I mean, you know, he tells me he's the, he's the Rays stud reliever, former Twins minor leaguer, one of... <laughs> That's where these guys just don't bat 1,000, right? Yeah. Like, you love you Falvey to, and Levine, but well, how they, did they blow it on Nick Anderson, right? So, I mean, there isn't a front office that, that gets everything right. Right. Yeah, that's that's an aside. But anyway, talking to Nick, 
Like, he thinks there's not going to be a safer place, right? Like, you know, in his case, Tropicana Field, the way they set it up. Right. You know. But what about outside Tropicana Field? Yeah. And Florida is a real problem he thinks, right now. He thinks it's a hot for, spot. Yeah, I, I asked him that. And he said, you know, for three-plus months, he thinks, and that's a pretty young roster, but he thinks, knowing his teammates, yep. that they'll be okay, that, that this isn't super long-term, that for three months – you know, you're not only accountable for yourself, you're accountable, you know, to your teammates that, that you can't go out to the bar. You can't go chasing women. You can't be doing some of those things. But do I think that that's possible? Judd, I don't. We could run through every roster and pick out two guys per team that are going to screw this up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think more than two. Okay, two or three or four or five. I mean, do you really think, in your heart of hearts, Doogie, do you really think Miguel Sano ain't going out on the road ever? In my heart of hearts, I think that will be very difficult. So do I. And, I, and I'm sure the Twins think the exact and same thing. And he's got thing. the big money now. Yep. And all it takes, but all the problem is all it takes is one guy. Because he comes in and spreads it, which, which is why which is why I do believe that the Twins' decision um, to have two of their older coaches not participate in this is smart. And this is the one thing that I'm very curious about, much more so actually in football. Because football's got a lot of older coaches, Mike Zimmer, a lot of coaches with um, predisposed health uh, problems. Gary Kubiak, he's 58, so he's not an old man, but he's had problems. I'm very curious when, if and when football does start, what they're going to do. Because you could make a lot of case. You could make a pretty solid case, uh, starting with Zim, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick. If these guys get it, which is, you know, n- not beyond the realm of possibility, they're going to be in real trouble. Well, how about even some players who happen to be obese? Yes. Or we've heard about, think about assistant depending coaches. on what your BMI number is. Think about the assistant coaches, former players, who have that problem. Yes. We've all seen it. So, I mean, I think it's another inevitability that, that there are going to be issues when it comes to, to NFL locker rooms. Let me add one thing on Sunil. Sure. Because I'll still stand by that I think it's going to be hard to convince him for three-plus months just don't go out like ballpark home ballpark home nothing else hotel room ballpark hotel room ballpark like I, I think that's going to be tough but right. having Nelly Cruz there I think helps I really do he he thinks the world of of Cruz so I think Nelly is going to at least try yep, I agree. to convince Miguel and if anybody can convince Miguel that this isn't Six years. This is right. three months. Right. Just be smart. If there's anybody in the planet yep. that can convince Miguel of, of doing so, I think it's Cruz. That's probably true. Of course, the, the problem then is if they convince Miguel of that, does Rosario go out? Does Max Kepler go out? Because, again, it's just going to take one person to go out, bring this into a clubhouse. And, and then the question, the important question that we really are going to need to see is this one. Because I don't think it's been tested yet because sports is not back at this point, Dukes. The important question to me is, how much do they truly care? Like, if someone gets it and it spreads, do you shutter down? You know, let, let's say you're 20 games in, okay? And the Twins, it spreads. and Or, heck, the Cubs or the Cardinals, I don't care whom. At that point in time, do they say, we just can't play? Or are they like... Yeah, screw it. We'll chance it. Like that becomes that, and, and it's it sounds crazy, but we've all seen enough people in this country right now who are like, "Let's live our lives." Okay, 
All it takes is one guy in an organization who finds out and is like, let's keep this quiet. And you know what? You're not really that sick. Play right field today. Asymptomatic, right? Mm-hmm. Go back out and play center field. That's what I'm very curious about because as much as we all might think, my God, if this spreads through a team, it, they are done. I'm curious if that is truly going to be the case because there's always people that will push the envelope and there are people it's been proven right now who really aren't taking this nearly as seriously as judd or declan or doogie is agree and i mean that question you ask is is a great one some questions i have include like do we have definitive information on like can you test negative i mean i think the answer is yes you can test negative but you're actually positive but how often does that happen? Like, I think about the the Dallas MLS team yep. that now has six positive tests, but each individual was tested before they hopped in that airplane to head to Orlando, mm-hmm. to head to Disney. So all these positive tests have happened thereafter. But I thought this bubble was supposed to protect these guys. So what, what exactly happened? How did they go from zero positive tests mm-hmm. to six, then... I'm still curious. We don't have an answer to this. The long-term ramifications. Even if you're a finely tuned athlete, you're fine now. But even Rudy Gobert, Utah Jazz Center, he's come out. He tested positive in March. He doesn't have his sense of taste back. Yep. Three and a half, four months later. Yep. yep. But like when it comes to to your respiratory system, your 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 breathing. Your lungs, right? Just, I mean, there's a lot of open-ended questions, right? Mm-hmm. Two, three, four, five years from now, seven years from now. Like, how does this impact didn't you? Zeke, and we just, we don't know. Didn't Zeke say that that he, he feels okay now, but still can't basically work out and go full uh, tilt because he still d- doesn't have his uh, strength back? Well, there's that. I mean, Von Miller's come out and said some things. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. yes. <laughs> No, I know, but that, but this is this is what I'm curious about. Though, once we start, once we start, what stops it? And like, who makes that call? And and there's been so much investment in restarting. Is that call fudged? Because well, damn it, we're spending a lot. And and, and by the way, if we don't, but they're also making a lot, right? Right. But if we let's not forget that. Right. But this is all money based. But ba- basketball and hockey are restarting for one reason: they want their TV cash correct so do they say well you know what now it's become too much so, yeah, they can talk play. all they want about health and safety that's yeah it's money they want the money the nba if if it weren't for tv the nba would not be mm-hmm. be basically taking somewhat of a financial bath to get the check from turner espn disney right yes a- absolutely i also won't fault a guy avery Bradley, Trevor Ariza, Willie Colley Stein. The whole Brooklyn Nets roster. Yeah, I mean anybody who says, Yeah, I just I'm I'm not going, right? Yep. For whatever reason. In Ariza's case, he's got some custody in the month of July with, with one of his children, wants to be around his child. You know, another player I think, you know, the significant other is is due at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, when he'd be in the bubble, doesn't want to miss the birth of his child. You know, Avery Bradley, I think, has has a child with with a compromised immune system. You know, so whatever the reason might be, especially if it's tied to to health and safety right. and the fear of of contracting COVID. I mean, if if anybody says I'm out, I get it. 
Like I, I, I won't, I won't rip anybody who says I'm just not going. How's Cat doing? Do you know? Yeah. Well, I've heard, have you heard? Uh, yeah, I've heard some things. I mean, his mom passed away yeah. from this. It's been clearly awful. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been out and about a little bit. I mean, he did a Zoom chat with the Gopher football team recently. Oh, good for okay, good. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's been out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I was talking. I was in the gym last Friday with with Jake Layman. Layman got a workout in with with a trainer friend of mine, Reed Osi, in in Eden Prairie. And so I asked Jake about Cat. I mean, it sounds like he's he's doing okay, all things considered, you know, but like if the Wolves are one of these 22 teams in Orlando, you know, with the wrist, with everything just still on his mind, I'm, I'm not convinced he would have chosen to play. I think this, this long break is, is probably good for him just to, just to clear his mind and, and spend as much time around his dad and the rest of his family as possible. Now, are are the Wolves trying to get into this um, non-playoff team They'd love to, thing yeah. That, so that they've talked about I'm doing. told they've they've said we'd love to host a tournament, right? Yeah, they'd love to have some sort of eight team tournament. They've said, hey, we'll host. I know Detroit has said, hey, we'll host. Atlanta has said, we'll host. There's even been some dialogue about Vegas, but in the end, do I think anything will happen with these eight teams? I don't. Okay, I don't get the sense that that it'll happen. There's just there's a lot of there's a lot of hurdles to clear, a lot of logistics to to figure out. I don't think it'll happen. Plus, you know, like if you're Malik Beasley, restricted free agent, what's your incentive to play? You wouldn't play. Zero. You know, any of these guys, you know, with team options, with with just unrestricted free agency coming up, you wouldn't play. But yeah, would the Wolves like some sort of competitiveness so they don't go from March 10th until December with nothing? Yeah, they'd like They'd like something that that is mandatory, but I think in the end, I mean, best case scenario might be that that all these guys need to come into town at some point this summer for some sort of mandatory mini camp. Mini camp, and so because yeah, they're they're not going to play again. The 2020-21 season would likely start what mid December, if not pushed back to Christmas Day or correct. something. Correct. Like yeah, I mean, training camp, you know, sometime, you know, probably mid to late November, but at some point in November, with with regular season games not taking place until sometime. In December, what we know for sure is October sixteenth draft, mm-hmm. free agency starting a couple days thereafter, October eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some chatter about some sort of draft combine taking place, August twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh, August twenty fifth. That's that's the lottery date, so we'll find out where the Wolves end up picking with that top pick, you know. But if there's some sort of combine gathering, I don't know how much. You know, game action would take place, but if guys can gather and at least do face-to-face interviews, even if ten feet apart, sure, gather in some big ballroom or wherever, big hotel suite. I think the Wolves would would welcome something like that. And the Wolves are probably going to lose or could lose the Nets draft pick. Is that right? Depending on what happens, to the Nets disagree. In, so the Nets are the six games up on the Wizards. Oh, they're six. Okay, there's eight games to play. So they're yeah. Bertans is a really good player for the Wizards. Oh, by the way, he's a free agent, so he has said, I'm not playing. Okay, okay. so All right. the Wizards will be without, in my opinion, you might debate this, but their second best player. Bradley Beal mm-hmm. is their best player. John Wall isn't healthy. So to me, Bertans is their second best player. Somebody might debate me on that saying, no, he's more like their third or fourth. I happen to think he's their second best player. He's out. If you look at the Wizards' schedule, I don't see how they end up going, let's say, 6-2 and two or 7-1. and one. So what I'm getting at is the Brooklyn Nets could go 0 and 8 
in still these eight games, still make the playoffs. and I still see them making the playoffs. So if they make the playoffs, then the Wolves would end up with their pick, which, guess what? In that scenario, because I don't think the Nets will win many games, right. will be the best possible pick the Wolves could have gotten. So it would be pick 15, right? The lottery is 1-14, through 14, then the rest of the first round is is each playoff team. The Wolves would have the best possible pick, pick 15. Final scoops before we get done here. Got anything else? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Wild. I mean, it depends who lose, you talk to. Lose, lose, yeah, lose. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. 12.5% 12.5% at the number one yeah, pick. Well, and I can promise Muffin you it's, it's come up internally. I mean, they've thought about they it. They've kicked around the idea. They can call my cell now, phone. publicly, they never admit it, right? Publicly, they no, will tell you. They're going to Edmonton to win. The idea is to win. No, they're going, no. Here, okay, here's the best thing. The best thing about this entire thing, uh, about the entire hockey playoffs system, as far as the Wild is concerned, with their 12.5% chance to get the top pick. They're not going to Vegas now. They're going to Edmonton. Guess who's going to be on board with getting the hell out of Edmonton, Alberta, as quickly as possible? That group of players. So when, when you say, guys, I don't want to tell you what to do here. But you want to spend a couple months or a month plus in Edmonton? They're going to be like, hell no. Man, the Canucks beat us in three straight. Don't know what happened. See you next season. Some guys might, but yeah, I think enough guys. But Vegas, Vegas would have been like, oh, this is great. We can go down to the casino. You well, know. they were going to create some sort of bubble around that T-Mobile arena. I know. It was, There's nothing but I mean, hotel they, rooms. They had, they had gotten pretty far down the line on that. Then all of a sudden, in the last week or so, those numbers just spiked up. All these casino workers... Tested positive, so the NHL said, "Okay, well, we can't, we can't do this." But they had they've gotten pretty far in the planning. I'm telling you, with this with this so called bubble they were going to create around T-Mobile Arena, which would have included access to some casinos and restaurants. So yeah, I think yeah, I think the players would have been on board. Here's what's interesting: you've got how many players in the NHL? About 700, give yeah, or take. Yeah. So like I, I've texted with some outside of Brock Besser, I can't tell you a player that's that's jacked up to play. But that I don't know that that represents. Like the vast majority, right? Texting with five players isn't a great representation. I can just tell you from the few players I've gone back and forth with, Mm -hmm. only one, Brock Besser, told me, yeah, let's get going. I can't wait to play. I saw a story out of Canada by an insider. It might have been Elliot Friedman, somebody like that. Yeah, he's good. Who basically across the board said, one, a lot of players are like, "Uh uh-uh, let's not. Let's just come back next you know, year at some point in time or in December. Uh, but but they said the hockey credo will be if we play, we're all going because that's their mentality, right? Like they're the tough guy mentality. So but but basically it said the veteran guys are out on the idea. But if this gets done, they'll just go and do it. But again, I'm you know, the difference between being sequestered in Vegas and having the casinos there post game and it's great fun possibly. And Oh man, I'm away from the family. What am I going to do? Or being sent to as nice as it might be the Marriott in Edmonton. Okay. (laughs) Now get me on that damn plane. I'm going home. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that when it comes to some guys. All right. Emptying out my, my figurative notebook. The wolves have had virtual draft meetings, interviews with Aaron Henry of Michigan state. Lamar Stevens of Penn State, local guy from Eastridge High School, Freddie Gillespie. He had a good year, good last couple of years with with Baylor. He's a cool story. He ended up at, at D3 Carleton. Mm. And, I mean, he always had the, the physicality. He was always a monster. Sure. And my buddy Jared Nunes, the, the assistant at, at Baylor, caught wind of him. 
you know, through a family connection. And next thing you know, Freddie ends up at, at Baylor. Heck, Baylor, they could have won the national championship. They were going to be a one seed in March. Yep. You know, Freddie could have really elevated his status, but he has a chance to to get drafted. But the Wolves, like a few teams, are, are going to wait. Like, there's a chance of, of this combine in late August. The draft is still months away. Like, I was emailing with, with an agent for, for a high-profile player. He's like, what's the rush? Like, I don't need to have my client do all these interviews. Now, to each their own, like, I'm, I'm going over to Zeke Naji's house this afternoon, the former Hopkins star, uh, University of Arizona, Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. He's done already 20 virtual interviews. Okay. Not with the Wolves, but just about every other team. Sure. You know, so, I mean, it kind of depends on, on what advice you're getting. For Zeke, really polished kid. Like, I could see why his agent would want to put him in front of a computer screen and just keep doing these interviews. Like, you're going to wow these teams. So, you know, it kind of depends on the kid. But I also understand if a lot of these agents just say, yeah, let's just, let's just, let's, let's Hold wait off. a bit. Like Daniel Oturu, it's not a knock on Daniel, just, you know, it's the philosophy of his agent and agency. They're going to wait. Like, he's out in Santa Barbara now at this high performance. Uh, you know, workout place, P3. Mm-hmm. Him and Trey Jones are both out there, Trey Jones of Apple Valley. But they haven't they haven't started. They're going to start soon doing a couple interviews, but they also need to go through some media training. Like part of what they're doing out there in Santa Barbara is media slash interview training, preparing them. What, what football does to them, yep. Yeah, for, for these interviews. On the go for men's basketball front, I know there's optimism on Liam Robbins getting a waiver to play immediately. Like, it, to me, it's a foregone conclusion. Booth Gotch, a big reason why Booth Gotch chose here over Maryland is he pretty much knows. He's got a, a good attorney working on his behalf. He's he's going to get a waiver. Booth Gotch is going to be eligible right away. That's if we have a college basketball season because Rick Pitino tweeted yesterday, yep. the Iona coach now, that his idea is let's just push it back. We don't need to start college basketball you know, with practices in October. Not wrong. You know, the season starting in early November. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think he's wrong, so... Who the heck knows what the college basketball season will look like? Mm-hmm. But if there is some semblance of a college basketball season, there is momentum for sure that Booth Gotch will be immediately eligible for the Gophers. But that also the Drake transfer, the big man, Liam Robbins, will also be eligible. Great stuff, sir. Thank you very much for the scoops, as always. You got it. Thanks for having Talk me. To you, Dave. See you, Declan. Don't shoot me. Who is that? There's your money. Release the hostages. How much in there? Three. You're too late. We want five million dollars. <laughs> what do you know, a greedy pirate? Last chance, take it or leave it. We want our money now! What is that now? Greedy. Greedy pirates. Greedy pirates. The Expendables action movie rewind here. On Mackie and Jug. We're gonna fire it up in just a second, but a uh, couple quick thank yous. Federated Insurance has been a partner of our show for a number of years now. And they've been a partner to Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is the oldest and largest youth mentoring organization in the United States. Big Brothers and Big Sisters helps mentor more than 400,000 youth, their families, um, other mission-critical volunteers are also part of the evidence-based mentoring program annually in addition to the actual mentors themselves. And so raising money... For this great organization that's been around since the early 1900s is very important. And Federated has made it their mission through federatedchallenge.org to do just that. $38 million raised since 2004. Federatedchallenge.org. Also, Luther Brookdale Toyota is here with some summer deals kicking off these hot months. 
Right now, you can get 0% interest for 60 months on all certified pre-owned Camrys, RAV4s, and also hybrids have 0% financing as well, where you can save a little gas and save a little money on those efficient vehicles. So I love road tripping around, even though we're, we're mostly bound to home here. We're playing it safe during these COVID months. But uh, we have gotten around to uh, driving to various lakes and going up north in the 2019 RAV4. Safety features, great gas mileage, uh, just great technology, and all the bells and whistles. So go check one out. Get a test drive or have them bring the vehicle to you for a test drive. 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Movie reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Shut up, or I'll kill you. The agency parasites hired you, didn't they? I'd have paid you twice as much to go fishing. You'd have to think I'm pretty freaking stupid to surrender to the agency. Why would I do that? I created this. I made it all happen. And then they wanted me out. Why? Because I saw the big picture. Stop walking. And what about me and you? We're both the same. We're both mercenaries. We're both dead inside. Why the hell did you come after me? I didn't come after you, dip I came for her. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Action Movie Rewind. The Expendables from 2010 with a star-studded cast, gentlemen. Are you guys ready for this? Yeah. Ready for it. Ready for it. I lived it yesterday. This one was thrown out by a couple of our listeners slash Twitter followers, and Declan wound up choosing this movie last week. I had never seen it before. Me neither. Judd? No. Oh, wow. No. So none of us had seen this movie until this week. And I never, ever, except for this segment... Would have watched it. So, would you watch it again? Hell would you watch, yeah! Would you watch the oh, sequel? Yes, I loved it. Right. Okay, okay, but, we'll but, get to it. But this is a film I never, in my wildest dreams, would have watched. Yes. Uh, so, The Expendables, forty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, two hundred seventy-four million dollars brought into the box office on an eighty million dollar budget, so a wild success. Starring Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Dolph Lundgren. Stone Cold Steve Austin, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Randy Couture, the UFC legend, Jet Li, Terry Crews, Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and others. Just a ridiculous action movie cast here. Yep. And a throwback to 80s action movies. 80s and 90s, absolutely, yes. Here's the summary. An all-star cast of action movie icons headlines Sylvester Stallone's explosive action thriller about a group of hard-nosed mercenaries who are double-crossed during a treacherous mission. Approached by the shadowy Mr. Church, Bruce Willis, to overthrow the tyrannical South American dictator General Gaza and restore order to the troubled island country of Valena, stoic soldier of fortune Sylvester Stallone, who plays Barney Ross, rounds up an unstoppable team that includes former soldier and blade specialist Lee Christmas, That'd be Jason Statham. Martial arts expert Yin, who's Jet Li. Trigger-happy Hale Caesar, who's Terry Crews, who has all kinds of powerful guns in this movie. And cerebral demolitions expert Toll Road, who's Randy Couture. Traveling to the island of Valena on a reconnaissance mission with his old pal Christmas, Barney meets their local contact, a cagey guerrilla fighter named Sandra. And together, the trio scopes out the landscape. It isn't long before Barney and Christmas have discovered that their actual target is not really General Gaza, 
but instead James Monroe, a former CIA operative who's gone rogue recently. Mm-hmm. Monroe won't be easy to get to either because his hulking bodyguard, Stone Cold Steve Austin, his name is Payne in the movie, <laughs> is a force to be reckoned with. When their mission is compromised, Barney and Christmas are forced to flee, leaving Sandra behind almost certain to die. But Barney isn't the kind of soldier to abandon a mission or a hostage. And now, in order to get the job done, he'll need the help of his old crew. Like I said, 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, $274 million at the box office on an $80 million budget. Let's start with Judd, your favorite part about The Expendables. Okay, there's a lot to like here. Like, this movie gets it. This movie totally gets what I want, okay? Mm-hmm. Gratuitous violence, big stars, just the whole package. It might have been predictable, but it was fun. It wasn't that long. But my favorite scene, because I'm a sucker for throwbacks and I'm a sucker uh, for paying homage to things, is a very simple one. And that's where Sly is talking to to Bruce, who is Mr. Church, because they're in a church, get it? And Arnold Schwarzenegger walks in for basically what amounts to a cameo. Yep. For some quick dialogue, and, and it's clear that, that Sly and 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 him have a a past that did not go well. And there's some basic wisecracking, and you could tell the scene is so much fun. And like Bruce is just swearing up a storm. It's just it's so classic. And that scene, it, it was brief. There was no action within that scene, but it was my favorite scene because it did such a good job of basically taking all of these superstars of action films from the 80s and 90s and putting them together. And it was sort of a wink and nod scene. It was. It was a wink and nod scene. So Bruce Willis is essentially saying, listen, I've got a a mercenary job, and I need someone to do this. He's just dropping F-bombs constantly, which is great. And Sylvester Stallone comes in representing, this is the tongue-in-cheek and the wink and the nod thing. Sylvester Stallone comes in representing Rocky Balboa, representing Rambo, representing arm wrestling guy, right? All, like, his right. ke- collection of, oh, like, all yeah. the missions he's been on. Right? Absolutely. Never really thought about that. Yeah. And Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger comes in representing Commando Command- yeah, and Predator exactly. and yes. all these things, right? And, it's, and, it's, and essentially, these guys are, like, the rival mercenary team leads. And Bruce Willis is saying, like, ordinarily I give this to Schwarzenegger, but, like, you're here and I'm going to give it to you. And, and then Schwarzenegger and Stallone trash talk. And that's and, it. Like, it's, and that's it. And, it's and Stallone is, is, uh, carries on as the star of the movie and Schwarzenegger just, just goes gone. away. Yep. So Got his right. money and left. Dex, what was your favorite part of The Expendables? Either that opening scene where he played that first clip where he, just, where he blows that dude in half. In half. Yeah, with that gun. <laughs> and then, and then Stallone has. just... Little low, you know. I, th- I thought that was great, but then it got topped when Jason Statham goes to that basketball court and oh, beats yes. the living hell yep. out of everyone, and then pretends like he's going to stab this dude. He really just actually, we have the quote I think too on the on the sound page, but he stabs yeah. the knife right in the ball, and, and instead says, "Next time I would." Uh, it's not going to be basketball. Some punk. Don't worry about it. We got your back. He comes over there and busts his ass. What do you want? Your life. I was thinking about taking it. That right. But I don't do so well in tight spaces, so going to prison worries me. <laughs> Didn't have bruised her face. Really? Would have liked to have kept it the way it was. Keep the bitch, because I'm done with it. Here it is. Next time I'll deflate all your balls, friend. <laughs> Dude, this is a great, oh, great. scene. And great it, scene. It, it feels like kind of an unnecessary. Like, it, it feels 1, like the type 000%. of a scene that like, could have been cut from the movie, yes. but they kept it in. 
So the backstory is Jason Statham's girlfriend left him at some point during his previous mission. So he shows up to her house, and she's with this other DB guy, just like a, just a douche. You know, who's that out there? He's like wondering who the guy is out there, and she's trying to have a conversation with him. And he's very much, you can just tell within five seconds, like this guy is up to no good. And so, uh, so Statham comes back from the reconnaissance mission and sees that his ex-girlfriend, who he's still trying to like get with, right. it's a little bit creepy. That's okay. But, but she's got a massive bruise on the side of her face. And so he decides, I'm going to go track this guy down. And I think what normally happens is the guy would go track down the guy on his own. Well, she hops on the back of the motorcycle yes. with him. So they, <laughs> yeah. go to, they go to the basketball court together, and this guy's hanging out with like, his eight basketball playing. We're really going to help him out. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we got your we back, got your man. Back, yeah. Jason Statham destroys all eight or nine of these guys yes. with his bare hands. But we what, got your back. I'm a three point specialist, but I'll got your back yeah. against murder. But what makes <laughs> but, but what makes that scene so great is is it's a love scene with violence. Like it doesn't differ. Building, it yeah. doesn't differ because what far too many films like that do is they like stop the film and yeah. like, okay, here's, here's the girl that the guy loves. Right. They just make that whole thing. Part of the violence. Yeah. I loved it. The The pace of this film was fantastic. Like there was very, mm-hmm. very little. Yeah. This is getting long. Yes. They just switched it up. They did a great job. So uh, on the flip side, if you guys were sitting at home mm-hmm. and your wife or girlfriend, all, like here's a knock on the door and it's like some, mercenary tough guy who's looking to get his gal back, how would you react? Like if you're the guy who's at home and all of a sudden your gal just gets pulled outside the house by her ex-boyfriend who's a mercenary. Well, and it's clear that, he's that got he is. For oh, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm below the bed. Depends the, depends I might the get gal. Hurt. I might get hurt. Depends no, on the gal. no one's worth it, Dex. No. no there's a few. No, that guy <laughs> could tear. No, you'd be dead. I mean, yeah, the guy got his ass kicked in the end. He didn't die, though. Well, but maybe I wouldn't react like the way he reacted. Maybe I can befriend this guy. That's probably the play, right? You know? if, you, right. if you show the jealous side of you, like, who's this yeah. guy? Right. Don't do that. You want that guy on your side. Okay. Exactly. Uh-uh. I'm out. All right. See you later, Don. Bye. That's <laughs> <laughs> just hiding under the covers. All right. My favorite part of The Expendables is it's it's less a part. I would say the basketball scene was probably my favorite scene. Yeah. But my favorite part of it, it just, this whole movie felt like Sylvester Stallone getting all of it out of his system. It's 2010. So what happened was, according to uh, Wikipedia and IMDb, there was an initial script with a different name of the movie that was written in like 2005 or six, and it kind of had some different iterations. And in 2009, Sylvester Stallone got hold of the script and used it as a jumping off point for the Expendables franchise. And it just kind of feels like like Stallone by that point had remade. He made another Rocky sequel in 2007. Mm-hmm. He brought Rambo back in 2008. So clearly, like. In the early 2000s, Sylvester Stallone was going through some sort of a midlife actor crisis or like, man, I really wish we could go back to the glory days of Rambo and Rocky in the middle of the 80s when all life was good, right? And so he he scratches that itch in 2007, bringing Rocky Balboa back, and then he scratches it in, in 2008 with Rambo. And it's like, still kind of got that itch. I'm just going to bring everybody in. I'm going to bring Arnold and Bruce Willis and Jet Li. I'm just going to bring everybody in. Jet Li's great, too. Jet Li's awesome. Yes. Jet Li's fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Dolph Lundgren's going to come back. So I, I think just like my favorite part was <laughs> just it was very, very clearly Sylvester Stallone's life's work as an action movie star and director all bundled into an hour and a half movie. It was him with it, it was to me Rambo with a team. And dialogue, <laughs> well, yeah. like yeah. there's a lot of. In, in fact, yeah. there. In fact, there were a few times 
where I couldn't understand what Stallone said because he sort of yes. mumbles at yes. times. That's and every, I like went back Stallone and I'm like, well, but it, it was it was Rambo with a team and Stallone dialogue. And here's the curveball. The plot itself, it, as far as what he did, is commando. Yeah, it's true. It's the same exact thing. Go to the island, yeah. show up with a massive amount of ammo and blow people away yeah. and kill. The only difference between Commando and this was Commando's 85, right? So the special effects then were not awful, but they're okay. Special effects now, a lot better. Yeah, that's 10 years ago now. A too. lot of death yeah. in that one. Yeah. A lot of so, death. All right. All right. Least favorite part of The Expendables, Judd. Okay. Very, very small complaint because I thought this film moved quickly. This film was fun. I actually loved it. Um, but so, so Sandra wouldn't leave the island at first on the first time that Sloan and his, and his friend went there. And she made it very clear. I'm not going to leave. He falls for her and decides to go back and save her to get her, right? Mm -hmm. But then at the end, she still didn't want to leave, which was no surprise. And he just sort of accepted as, oh, okay, cool. That's fine. It's like you went to a lot of work to extract her a second time. It's true. And she had told you the first time, I'm not going to leave my home island. Yeah, and he did say at the end in the clip that we played, like his motive was her. Yeah. He brought the entire. Yes. He put his entire team at risk. He was going to go alone. Although there was money involved, right? They still got paid by Bruce Willis, correct? They didn't or, make that clear. Or was Bruce involved with the rogues? I, I think Bruce. I don't think Bruce was involved with the rogue CIA. Agent. I don't think so. No. But they didn't make it clear. But but because he he was going to go back and get her solo, and then Jet Li said, "I'm going," and and then they almost got killed by um his friend Dolph. And then that's right. And then the Dolph, next Dolph thing was about to make a hundred grand off that. Yeah. Off that bounty. And then the next thing they all go. Yeah. So I was confused, but that's a lot of work to go to, to get her away from those people for her to say for a second time, I'm not going. Yeah. But anyway, that's a very, that's a very small plot complaint on my no, part. It's, it's, it's fair. I mean, like I it's, it. there's other women, there's other fish in the sea that you don't have to go through and fight, uh, you know, a, a dictator. But I'm glad he did because it was fun to <laughs> yeah. watch. All right, Dex, uh, what was your least favorite part about the movie? Similar to Judd in the, in the retrospective, like I don't have a lot of complaints about this film. The only thing in, in terms of our action movie rewind, there's always like good memorable one liners, right? And good quotes that it lacked that. It, I had a hard time. They fi- tried like, a couple times. Yeah, here like, and there. you know, the like, well, little low, like th- there was a few of them, but there wasn't the cheat. And I think, you know, you're in 2010 at this point. So maybe if we look back in this movie, like 10 or 20 years, there's a lot more cheesy lines. But like, I couldn't find any of those cheesy one liners that go with our action movie rewind theme. Yeah. And I was looking for those a little bit more. And that that's my only complaint, really, is that the, the dialogue and the and the script was honestly mostly fine for like your cheese ball action film. But I was looking for more of those hilarious one-liners that we usually get, and we didn't have much of those. They did. They did do kind of a callback, like at the beginning of the movie when they're trying to when they're facing off with the Somali pirates, right? The greedy Somali pirates. Five minutes. And 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 at one point they're debating. Statham and Stallone are debating, like, should we kill him with a gun or should we kill him with a knife? Because yeah. Statham's a blade man. Yes. And Stallone is a quick draw yep. gunsman, right? And so they're they're debating, like, what's the quicker. Like, like, is it quicker to, to draw a gun and shoot and a bullet or, 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 or throw a knife at him? And at the end of the movie, it turns out Jason Statham, shoot, he fires the knife at the rogue CIA operative from the back, and Stallone shoots him in the front, and they call it a tie. Right. 
So they kill him at the same time with the knife. This and was the fun. They call it this was great fun. And and yeah. I will say too, I thought Stone Cold's death was a little meh. Like I, I not that like burning to death is not a bad way to go out, but I also wanted Stallone to like get his revenge after getting his ass kicked from him. Who uh, who delivered the? Uh, it was it was um, Randy Couture that delivered the final punch to Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? And yeah. put him back in, into the fire. Actually, that's he kind falls of a, back. that's kind of a nitpick for me. So Stone Cold catches fire. Yeah, he's fully engulfed in flames. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it hurt. He's about to die. Not gonna lie. And Randy Couture jumps up and does the Roman Reigns Superman yeah. punch right in the forehead, you didn't which like felt a little bit like gratuitous. Like I don't know if that was necessary. I didn't, I didn't think Stone Cold's death was was as violent as I was hoping it was going to be like um, Terry Crews had that gun that literally was blowing people in half. And I get you catching on fire. Yeah. Just let Terry Crews take care of it all. Exactly. And Terry, I mean, Terry Crews was turning people into mishmash. Yeah. <laughs> like Terry they were Cruz blowing was, up. Terry Crews awesome. was not there to screw around. No. Terry Crews is a fun character though. I would say my least favorite part of this movie honestly was Dolph Lundgren. Oh wow! So I thought he'd be your favorite. No, I honestly did. He's not. I I was hoping. Why? I was hopeful. So Dolph Lundgren clearly peaked with Rocky Four, and he's been in a bunch of other action movies. And I think he was in one of the Vietnam movies or something from like the early nineties. Sure. Um, I just I don't know. Maybe it was his character. Like he's on drugs. He's kind of like you can't fully understand he's what an he's old saying. Drunk. He he's an old drunk. He's not. They can't count on Dolph. But even his lines like. Like Jet, him and Jet Lee were kind of rivals, right? They were yeah. working in the same yeah. group and they didn't like each other. And like his big diss for Jet Lee was, "Oh, you, what are you wearing? A size three shoe? Bring it, Happy Feet!" Like his yeah. his one liners were kind of bad. I get the feeling he's not relevant. I get the feeling that Stallone likes him a hundred percent as a person. I also don't think time in real life has been kind to Drago. No, it doesn't look like, like he doesn't look no. he didn't does not look like he's in very good. Yeah, I don't health. know. There's well, we're going to get to a Wikipedia section. I just feel nice. like you're bringing in all these top, like you clearly have the budget to bring in like right. all these top names. His buddy, I think there's so many life, other guys. That, yeah, the, he's bringing like, in his I buddies. He, I think that guy's his friend. Yeah, for sure. Like, Schwarzenegger, though, was great. I love the cameo by Arnold. <laughs> it was just great. And Bruce, too. OK, so back to that scene for a second, the. The Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis scene in the church with Mr. Church. Yeah, just call me Mr. Church since we're in a church. If we're talking 80s and 90s action movie films, and we're talking about the 80s and 90s action movie Mount Rushmore of actors, okay. those are three of the four, right? Like yeah, Sylvester I, I Stallone, so. Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis for, for his diehard work in the early 90s has to be in the mix there. So if those are the three guys, who's the fourth guy wow. you would bring into that church to to round out the Mount Rushmore? 80s and 90s. Okay, let's eliminate people. I'll throw out some names because Nicolas Cage did a bunch of stuff, but I don't see him on that. Do you guys? I think I have it. Okay. Is it Chuck Norris? Yeah. If, if Chuck Norris walks into that room, mm. is that the Mount Rushmore of 80s and 90s action stars? I have limited knowledge in this department, but I Chuck Norris seems like a logical choice. Let me throw one at you, Mister T. It's a good one. Ooh, I feel like Chuck Norris did more of like the cheesy action stuff, didn't Hold he? Hold on, Mister T was the it was the A Team TV show was his A Team Rocky Three, yeah. Rocky Three, but he was a great bad guy or just badass. <laughs> I don't hate that one. I mean, if you like, go- he was Terry Crews, but bigger and before Terry Crews. Is it Steven Seagal? This, if the, well, actually, we're going to get to more of this. Oh, boy. So Seagal was initially supposed to be part of this cast. Whoa! 
he did not get along with the director. Oh, man. Shocking. Do you want to jump into that part of the discussion right now? Oh, yeah. Yes, I didn't know this. Well, the Vincent Chase. All right. Casting. I'm just going to read through this from Wikipedia. With the director. What a, Dude, this is great. What a bleep hole Steven Seagal can be. So this cast is already ridiculous, okay? Yes. <laughs> Over the top. Jean-Claude Van Damme was personally offered a role by Sylvester Stallone, but turned it down because he felt there was no substance or development to the character. Coming from a guy who starred in Bloodsport and Kickboxing. Okay, hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait. Let's go through this. What the hell? You're offered a chance? Like, basically, a Babe Ruthian type person comes and says, I want you to do this film. And it's like, I got Schwarzenegger. I need a a little more of a love story for my character. I don't know. I'm not feeling that. Are you serious? I need a little backstory. Okay, that's another bleep hole. I need that. My character needs to have overcome some things early in life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine in 2010, Stallone? So here's what happened, okay? So Stallone said oh. that Stallone had said in an interview that Van Damme told him that, uh, I'm sorry, Stallone said that Van Damme told him that he should, quote, be trying to save people in South Central. At the premiere of the film, Stallone claimed to have been speaking to Van Damme over the phone and said, I told you, this movie being a success, to which Van Damme concurred and expressed his regret over not participating. Van Damme would later appear in, as the main antagonist, Jean Villaine. In the film's sequel. Okay. So he, he did appear in the film's sequel I as just, the main villain. If, if Stallone calls you and says, I got Arnold, and I've got Bruce Willis, and I've got and you say, I don't know, you're an idiot. For character development reasons. I don't know, I just feel like there's not enough substance. And you're Jean, Jean-Claude Van Damme, you suck. <laughs> like, you, what do you, mean he you don't need character development. Jean-Claude Van Damme's a, he's a thespian. What do you mean he sucks? He's something. Keep going. Uh, it, it gets better. The role of Hail Caesar was initially conceived as a role for Stallone's Demolition Man co-star, Wesley Snipes. Snipes turned down the role because of his tax issues (laughs) and not being able to leave the United States without the court's approval. It was later rewritten for Forrest Whitaker. Due to a scheduling conflict prior to filming, Forrest Whitaker was replaced by 50 Cent. Whoa! And before the part of Hail Caesar uh, finally went eventually to Terry Crews. So it was Terry Crews' role was going to be Wesley Snipes, Forrest Whitaker, 50 Cent, and then finally Terry Crews. Okay, let me get end. let me go through those, okay? Wesley Snipes would have been good. Yeah. I don't, can 50 Cent act? Whitaker I like. No. But For, Forrest, it would not have been. Yeah. For, Forrest, I like Forrest, but no. But he's more doughy, right? Like he's Terry more... Crews is built. Terry Crews yeah. looked yeah. the role. Yeah, for sure. Correct. And to Phil's point, can 50 Cent act? I have no idea. No. I guess this would have been the movie I mean, to find yeah. out. How about poor Wesley Snipes? How I would have loved Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes would have been good. Yeah, would have been great with the lines, too. Steven Seagal was asked to make a cameo appearance, but see, that's oh, what it would have been. I wonder if that would, if he, it, would, would that. he have been the fourth guy in that church. And he wouldn't have taken that. But he turned the offer down due to negative experiences with producer Avi Lerner. No, 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 no that's BS. He, <laughs> he wouldn't do it because in his mind, he's too good. It's ridiculous. Uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino... And Ray Liotta were all considered for the role of James Monroe, the rogue CIA operative, before Stallone's The Specialist co-star, Eric Roberts, was Eric eventually Roberts, cast yeah. in the role. Uh, by whoa, May- whoa, wait, wait, wait. De Niro? Pacino. Pacino? And Ray Liotta. And Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Okay, I can see why all four of them passed on that role. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Eric Roberts was fine. Ray Liotta yeah, is Can you imagine De Niro? Man, I'd love to do this one. Ray Liotta's too busy quitting smoking and doing TV commercials. And trying to move his face. Uh, by May 2009, the Good script fellow, had man. undergone a number of rewrites. Stallone's Demolition Man co-star Sandra Bullock 
was rumored to have a role in the film, but revealed that she did not even know about the project. So that was the rumor. <laughs> Despite the news, she did express interest in working another action film and would like to have appeared in the film, depending on the storyline. Um, yeah, she'll she'll be fine. She'll be good. Let's see here. Oh, okay, here's more. The role of the man who hires the Expendables, so Mr. Church, was difficult to cast. That's the Bruce Willis role. I would have thought that would have been the simplest one. Schwarzenegger was initially offered the role, but instead appeared as a fellow mercenary leader. The role was Good then o- the role was then offered to Kurt Russell, who starred in Tango and Cash with Sylvester Stallone. Bruce Willis is way better. His agent replied that he was not interested in ensemble acting at the moment. Think about these high maintenance idiots. <laughs> you Here's a million dollars to just show up at a church. Nah, I'm glad he passed. Stallone spent several months after principal photography determined to find a big action movie name for the part. Rumor suggested the role had already been offered to Bruce Willis, who was busy filming something else at the time, and they circled back, so whatever. It right. was it was how many lines of dialogue? On the uh I have one more one more thing here for the cast. This is amazing. To cast the soldier, Stallone knew his filming location, Brazil, was home to many mixed martial arts fighters. He called UFC champions Anderson Silva <laughs> and Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira to make casting calls, and and they, those guys made cameos in the movie okay. as well. So amazing! Um, My guy Seagal, wow! Like he so should have taken a, a role, but he's so full of himself. Mm. I'm sure he said it's not enough for me. Do you guys buy when Statham and Stallone show up to Valena and they're being sort of probed by? Yeah. The customs people. Security people, yes, yes. The reason for them showing up to this dictator-led island is that they are posing as bird photographers. <laughs> and the guy looked at them very suspiciously. Yeah. Yeah. You look you nervous. You guys buy that? Bird photographers? You it's look nervous. Humi- it's the humidity. Uh, you got the window open. Right? <laughs> you do look nervous. Your skin's a little dried out. That was a good one-liner by Stallone. Uh, I didn't care how they got there. I cared how they killed. <laughs> And by the way, I would like to know if if your uh, log or site that, that you found a few weeks back on kills has this film because this had to have a huge number. Of I'll kills. do a search here before the end of the episode because um, they they took out a lot of soldiers. Total kills expendables. It's more okay. than commando. Here's the number. All right, how many would you guess? How many kills in the expendables? Oh. Do they ball- on camera kills? Do they ballpark it, or do, do, do they just go with? No, on-camera? they have an exact number of on camera kills. Okay, I'd say th- I'd say three hundred. It's two twenty one, two hundred twenty one kills. Good lord! And what was Commando? I don't have that, but it was like five hundred. No, see that's <laughs> BS. There's more kills in the Expendables than Commando. That's a lot. Um, the, the other thing, I guess, if I could go back to another favorite scene here, the first big action scene in Valena, the island. Mm-hmm. Where Stallone and Statham take out like twelve soldiers right off the bat, so they they get captured, but then they take down. The scene was a little clunky because the scene lasted like a minute, and it's like it's like twelve on two, with Sandra kind of standing off to the side, and all of the soldiers have weapons and guns, and you, and you see like fifteen twenty seconds of action. And Stallone takes these guys out, and then they pan over, and there's just like a soldier standing there doing nothing. Yeah. Like they probably would have died there, but totally. But the le- like, and that like really the level of incompetence with some of these these armies like from Rambo three well, like Commando, what are you guys doing Commando had the same problem they really didn't but, know what they were doing but the scene where they're trying to get off this island because like oh my god we may have bitten off more than we can chew we gotta we gotta regroup so Statham starts up the plane mm-hmm. and it's one of those water planes right yep and he starts taking off 
knowing that, well, Stallone's on the run trying to catch up to the plane. Yep. So Stallone is sprinting down the dock at age 65 or whatever he is, 60 years old. Yep. And he's sprinting up the dock and he jumps onto the side of the plane and holds onto the window and pulls himself in. They wound up killing 41 soldiers was the body count, they said in the movie. Just like getting off the island, they circle back around yes. and they shoot up that dock yep, and, then and blow they it take up. out all these soldiers. That was just a great scene. That whole thing was amazing. <laughs> it was, yeah. Now, now here, here's my question about special effects in 2010, especially with Terry Crews' gun, which just basically oh. blows people up. That was awesome. What is the special effect at that time? And I don't think they use it now as much. But it literally at times as they as they killed people look like a video game. So like people yeah. are blowing up and it starts to look yeah. like a game that, that would be played yeah. by a teenage kid. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like Call of Duty. It only does. Correct? Yeah, it does look like Call of yes, Duty. Because totally like does. the bodies don't look like real bodies as as the torso blows off. Yeah, it's definitely it's it high looks level. like it's been And you think about the altered. video games that they would have leaned on in like the early nineties, like Pitfall. <laughs> you know, like what would you I'm just curious on? about that because yeah. It's still pretty cool to watch, but it's just clearly worked on so that the person's torso yeah, separates from the rest of him. All right, uh, next category, your favorite character in the movie. Who is your favorite character? Can I start with mine? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course. <laughs> he was right. great. He basically just played Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, he like maybe said 15 words in the whole movie. The and old Stallone role. Yeah. And, and four of them was, you piece of trash, yeah. which he said... He, all the lines that he would bust out, they basically told him, listen, we're not going to give you lines. Like, uh, fill 10 words with Stone Cold Steve Austin stuff yeah. here and there, right? And he just played Stone... It was like if Stone Cold Steve Austin had been recruited by a rogue CIA agent and a dictator to just run the army. That's exactly what it looked like. He's great. I love Terry Crews. He was great. I, I love the scene where they blow up the helicopter. He's like, it's too heavy. I'll throw it. And he just throws this bomb and then he then he shoots it. And every weapon he had... Was this insane assault? Like, I don't even know what the kind of gun it would be labeled. My gun noviceness, I don't know what it would be. But every gun he had blew people to smithereens and objects. Yeah, they all look like the gun that that guy in St. Louis with the khakis was using standing outside of his mansion the other day. Oh, the lawyer with his wife? God. (laughs) Both of them with guns? Them and Terry Terry Crews giving him some ammunition. Yeah. Joe, who was your favorite character? Stallone was great. Um, But I would say Jet Li. Wow. Yeah. He's got good lines. He's funny. He is. He's little, underrated. He's little. He kicks ass. Yeah. Good character. I, I thought that the, for, for the amount of time that this film had, I thought that the character development was really pretty it good. Was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Like they yeah, developed solid. people and, and it, it was, it was the perfect formula to me in this sense. They did not waste time on love stories. But like, they, but they kind of did. But no, no, no. They but they did. they insinuated and gave you things. But every one of them was tied into violence of trying to kill people that you didn't like. But like they didn't have they didn't have like Stallone at the end sweep the girl off her feet right yeah. and like spend time. She basically said, "I'm not going." It's like <laughs> okay. He gets on the plane, makes a joke, and flies home. Yeah. So I, I love it, the fact that I felt that they developed the characters in this film at the expense of a dumb love story, which I did not need. Um, yeah, I, 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 some of it's just like how they deliver a line, right? Like 
delivering a line. The Schwarzenegger line was great, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's, what's his problem? He wants to be president. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great line. All right, we've made it to the definitive bad guy rankings list here. So uh, we've done, let's see, four, five, eight. We've done, this is our 14th action movie rewind. Mm-hmm. And to this point, our definitive bad guy rankings are number one, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Number two, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. Number three, Yvonne Drago from Rocky Four. Number four, Dennis Hopper from Speed. Angry terrorist Ivan rounds out the top five from Air Force One. Corrupt senator from Hard to Kill. The aliens in Independence Day. Chong Lee from Bloodsport. Bennett from Commando. Bodie from Point Break. And the bottom three are General Hummel from The Rock. Sloan from Wanted. And the incompetent Russian military from Rambo (laughs) 3. So for this one, the bad guy in this one is rogue CIA agent James Monroe. Yeah, he's the he's really it's not really the dictator. It's this guy that's driving the action. I, I felt a lot of Pat Riley vibes from that guy. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> he I, I, he like Pat Riley. He did. Like he just negotiated a deal with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Pat Riley Zone. Yeah. <laughs> so where would you guys uh, let's start with Judd here. Like, what's your what's your feel here? It's a pretty good villain. Yeah, he pretty was. He was. Um, I would put him middle of the pack. OK, like pretty good. Not great. I think I put him above the corrupt senator from Hard to Kill. And I might even put him okay, above go, Angry go Terrorist up. Ivan. So Cyrus the Virus. Okay. Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. Okay, yep. Yvonne Drago from Rocky Four. Yep. Dennis Hopper from Speed. Angry Terrorist Ivan from Air Force One, who doesn't really have a lot of depth to him. He's just Yeah, like, and he's around there. I think he's above. I, I think he's right around there. He'd be like fifth. Yeah. I think year. fifth or sixth is accurate. Those top four. He's pretty good. Yeah, are, are far and away, I think, better than Okay. Them. But yeah, I would say six or seven. That's fair. Between the five and seven range. So we're putting him in. The best part, too, this film, as far as characters went and bad guys went, this film got everything right that Commando didn't. Yeah. Like, Commando had yeah. Bennett. Bennett was I mean, com- a fat, unbelievable bad guy. <laughs> well, Steve com- Austin was great. But Commando, it's a good segue into our one through ten Seagal rating scale here. Commando is our number one rated action movie to this point. Well, but, yeah, and, and I still love it. But I felt that it got the rights, the the wrongs right that Commando didn't get. I, I would give this, just to start, um, nine. Yeah. It's a solid nine. It's Dex. close to a ten, but I'll give it nine. I would say I would say an eight and a half. Eight and a half Ooh, is where I'm going at. Going, going with half um, I was mostly entertained by the movie. Yeah, I felt it did drag on a little long. I think there were scenes you could have cut and cut and dried out. I think it was an hour and like thirty five. I feel like yeah. this could be ten minutes shorter. That, that's wow. just a nitpick. That's a nitpick, but mostly I was thoroughly entertained. They didn't like beat around the bush for most part. So I'd say eight and a, eight and a half is where I'm going in. I had I had it written down before we started this as a nine. That's okay. what, it's that's a, what it's I great. wrote down. It's great. I really enjoyed this. It's just like it's not two hours. Yeah. It's snappy enough. There's tons of star power. The plot is very clear. This looked like Stallone and his friends had a lot of fun. Yes. Like, it looked like, uh, yeah, we're old, but who gives a bleep? Also, this opens the door. Some people are saying that Expendables 2 is even more, like, cheeky. And okay. this opens the door for us to potentially do a sequel at some point. I'd nice. be more than happy to. So, and we, and we uh, haven't done any sequels, right? Have we done sequels? Well, we've done Rocky Four and Rambo Three. Because we, we feel like those were the good jumping off points. But we've never done here. the originals. Yep. Got it. So our new rankings now are Commando still with the top spot. Expendables number two, Roadhouse number three, tied with Hard to Kill, and Rocky Four rounding out the top five with Independence Day and Point Break just on the outside, all with an eight rating composite score or above. I enjoyed this That's one. pretty good. That's great. Yeah, thank That's great. you, Declan. Good job. I believe it's Judd's turn to pick an action movie here for next week. 
Let me see. What All do kinds I wanna, of options. What do I want to pick here? What do you want me to read off some on the list here? Or? Yeah, sure. So these are just some that we've compiled amongst ourselves and with, with listeners and people tweeting at us. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop was sent out to us a couple okay. days ago, which is we should do that at some point. It's more of an action comedy, but it's still yeah. really good. Um, let's see your face off. No holds barred. The Hulk Hogan movie from like 1988 oh or something. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Predator, Over the Top, Karate Kid, Twister, True Lies, Kickboxer, Under Siege, Cobra, John Wick we talked about last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bond movies. There's all kinds of we could go like Goldfinger. You know what I'm going to do, boys? I'm, I'm going to continue to grow the classic up. I'm going to pick Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. Gary Busey. Yes. Do you want a shot yes! at the title? We're going lethal weapon All one. Right, Pre-Pesci. Yes. I know that people, there's some folks I've seen on Twitter, the Pesci ones were funnier. You know what? You can take your Joe Pesci and Rene Russo and you can throw them out the door because it all started. The original's great. Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. With them fighting on the lawn. Never seen it start everyone to finish. Watches. Never seen it start to I finish. don't know how you'll feel about it, but the dialogue oh, yeah. between Glover and and Gibson, yeah, yeah. I, it's just so much fun. Amazing. Absolutely. The first one is, because it's violent enough, it's campy, but, but not as campy as they became with Pesci, which I thought became too campy. AMC, I believe it was, had a Lethal Weapon marathon happening over the weekend. Always great. I did catch all of Lethal Weapon 3. Which was glorious. I think I went to Lethal Weapon 2 in the theater. I think it was 2. It wasn't 3. 3 was 1990-something, right? 92, I think. Oh, okay, or no, uh, 90. I went and yeah, saw 90. 2 was like 88 or something, and I think I went to that one in the theater. Lethal Weapon 4 was my first theater Lethal Weapon experience. Really? Yeah. They bleep you on the cell phones. They bleep you on the it cell got phones. Too, it got too funny. It tried to be too funny. <laughs> well, that's what Joe Pesci. No, brings... I know, but Pesci just became a, a punchline for it. Yeah. And the first one's great. Okay, so the first, Lethal Weapon. All right, there it All is. Right. There it is. That was Action fun, though. Expendables rewind. was great. Yep. And keep the recommendations coming, because Bravo. I don't think we would have done Expendables if not for a couple people shooting us that recommendation on Twitter. So, at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Dex's Tweets, and uh, we'll see you next week for Action Movie Rewind. Whether it's Fred Meyer, Simple Truth Turkey, or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Fred Meyer has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.